that song, I love the fact that they didn't add a particular word. One word changes the focus of it. If they were to say praise is what I have to do, it becomes obligation. But it's just praise is what I do, and it comes from a willing and a free heart. And I love that. It is, it is, is, it is in essence who I am. It is how I respond. And see, for some of us, we'll say praise is what I do, and we add a phrase on after that, if I get what I want, or if God answers. And notice that that song, I like that. The focus of the song just says, it's just what I do. It's just who I am. And so I'm hoping this morning that that song echoes your own heart, that regardless of where you are or what's happening to you, what you still do or how you respond is with praise because you are allowing yourself to trust in God. And we trust in God because we are learning more and more of who we are. And as I said this morning, who we are is embedded in who God is and how and who I trust him to be will indeed um, change who I am and how I thus live. If you stand with me, I'm going to turn, we're going to be looking at two different scriptures this morning as we round out this who are we, who we are, Romans 8, 14 through 17, I'm reading a little bit more. Um, in the context, and then Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And both are in your bulletins. Let's read them both this morning, starting in the Romans passage. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In Ephesians, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, if I would be able to put a title on this text, it would be who we are or who are we? We are affirmed, adopted, and assured. Who are we? We are people that are affirmed, adopted, and assured. As we look about us in our society, most of our, I mean, much of our dysfunction 
as we see in our families today and even with people today and why people go to extreme measures to find, I mean, to, to affiliate and associate with different kinds of groups. One of the reasons why our gangs have, um, have had so much popularity um, in our society is because they do um, some of these things. They affirm their members. It's why membership in groups or clubs or sometimes why people run and hang out with the wrong crowd, as we like to call it, is because the wrong crowd does something that they're looking for. They're looking for affirmation and approval. They want to be brought in, even if they weren't originally with the group, um, and they want to be assured. The only problem is every human um, created group is going to falter and fail and stumble in some way, but it is because we are seeking that affirmation. We want to be brought in, grafted in, adopted in. We want to become as one of the group, and we want to be assured that we are accepted for who we are. Problem is, in our humanity and in our sinfulness, None of those are perfectly done. As a matter of fact, all of those are extremely twisted outside of God. And so we have twisted forms of belonging in our society. And so people are, are, are identifying themselves with twisted forms of things, and thus who they believe they are is twisted. And so we see some of the things that happen, people that will prove themselves to belong to a gang by killing someone to see how hard and how tough they are, or that they will, or that they will turn on family to prove to a group that, that, that they mean business and that they're close, or that they would do some other behavior or action that will later get them in trouble and they find themselves in a horrible position. Why? Because they thought it would bring them affirmation or that they would be brought into the family and that they would be assured of something. Is why people sometimes get involved in relationships that others on the outside go, what were you thinking? What were you doing? And usually what they were thinking and doing is that this is going to bring affirmation that I'm worthy. It's going to adopt me in to this group and it's going to assure me that I'm accepted. The only problem is there isn't a person in the world that does that all the time. But there is someone who's out of this world, who came into this world, who, is, who has set that up for us and, and, and actually shows us why, so that we understand what it really means. And so that as we trust in him, our twisted forms of being affirmed, adopted, and assured become straight as we see them by who Christ is. And so now we, we, we identify ourselves through healthy, through godly means and appropriate ways, and thus we live our lives as God intended. And so this morning, I want to take a look at from both of these scriptures, this whole idea of being affirmed, adopted, and assured. Romans, of course, that great book starts off, I mean, in chapter 8, talking about there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love that. That, that, that outside of Christ, 
Because remember, Christ said he did not come to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. They were, it was in sin already. He didn't have to come to condemned. I mean, I mean, to condemn. The condemnation was there. And so he didn't come to condemn but to save. And so, but those that are outside of Christ still rest, still live in that condemnation. No matter how good your life is, how much you've achieved, how much you've acquired, how much you've attained, it doesn't matter. God said, outside of him, condemnation rests on and over you. And it's not a fact of me saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm not making that judgment for someone that says, don't judge me. I'm not. As a matter of fact, you would want me to judge you when judgment time comes. Because I'm not almighty, I'm not all-powerful. You might be able to overcome my resolution of judgment. But it is God who judges, and he judges fairly, he judges thoroughly, he judges completely. And so that's how that chapter starts off. But he's talking about life in the Spirit and you knowing who you are by the Spirit's work in your life and thus the outworking of the Spirit's life through your life by some things that they see. And so we see in, in, in verse 12, he says, So then, brothers, as he's been talking, and again, I would urge you just to go home and read from chapter, I mean, from verse 1 all the way through 11 and then into our text today. It will give you greater context and greater um, ability to think and reflect through what God is saying. So then, brothers, we are debtors. In other words, we owe. Not to the flesh, but to live according to the, I mean, to live according to the flesh. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he's talking about you experiencing this life, this Spirit-filled life, this life in Christ. And he says here, he says, listen, when you were set free. He says, when you were made free in Christ, here was the deal. And I say this a lot. You were not made free to do what you want, or you were not free to live as you want to. You were free to live as you ought to. It's a big difference. When Christ freed you, he didn't free you to say, now go and do your own thing. He freed you and I and said, now go and do my thing. Because in order to do what I want you to do, you have to be free. And he brought us to life, freed us by life in the spirit. And he says, but if, because he says, you weren't freed to live according to your own fleshly desires or your human desires. You weren't set free to live like you want. And so there's someone in here today to say, hey, I'm a Christian. I can live a lot. Like I want, someone has lied to you. You've been mistaken. He said, no, 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 no. If you are a Christ follower, it was meant so that you can live as God wants. And so you say, well, how does he want me to live? Ah, great question. He gave you this book that is to be more than a paperweight and a decoration on your coffee table. Or something on your nightstand that you look at or you go to when trouble hits. It is to be that thing that will tell you who you are and how you are to live in light of who you are and what has been done for you. It was left so that you understand what's been given to you.
And so he says that we are not, I mean, we are debtors. We're in debt. We're free, but we're in debt to Christ. You say, well, I don't want to be in debt to anyone. Well, here's the news for us today. We're in debt to something or someone. And my question is, whom would you rather be in debt to? The one who died when you weren't thinking about him? The one who died when you couldn't care less about the things about him? Or would you rather someone who was always looking to take? Always looking to take. I got to read something just real quick. This one just popped in my I have to. Turn with me. Wasn't in the original um, plan, but I am going to read it. Turn with me to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8. I know I'm giving the, the, the booth fits with that one. But turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I was talking with a brother this week, and we were going over this, and it just reminded there is a part of this that I wanted you to see, because it is what sin will do. It is what the flesh will do to you. And this was when Israel was demanding a, a, a king, a human king from the Lord. They saw all the nations around them. They had demanded that God do for them what all the nations around them. Here was the point, though. God had taken them out from among those people and made a nation of his own. You know, and, and, and so he, he created what became the nation of Israel with Abraham. And, and so he took these people that, that, that had no privileges before God, made him his people, and he was leading and directing through his prophets. And so they came and they said, we don't want that anymore. We want to be like all the other people around us. Now, before we throw Israel under the bus, we do that so much when we desire to be like the sinful world around us. We don't like standing out. We don't like being unique. We don't like being different. Why do I have to stand out? I don't, I don't like being the one to be singled out because I trust in God on my job, in my school, when I go to have I mean, when I go to recreate, I don't like standing out. Everyone says, look at them, look at them, look at them, Christ followers. You know what? They can't or they this or, or they believe it. I don't like standing out like that, God. And so that's exactly what the nation of Israel, we don't like standing out. We want a king like them. And it wasn't so much that they, that the desire for a king was bad. It was why? Because they wanted to be like the sinful people around them. And so this whole thing of living according to your flesh, living according to your desires. And so we see in, in, in verse 6, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. I love Samuel. When the people started flipping out, he went to the Lord and argued with the people. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And I thought for a second, wow, when you don't want God's rule, you prefer man's. God, I don't want you to rule me. 
I trust my buddy more than I trust you. Sorry. He can do for me more than you can. And, and, and usually it's because I can see what he does and I can kind of control his timing. I can influence what he does. I can't do anything with you. I just got to wait on you. And I don't want to wait. And so he goes on, he says, look, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt. That is out of slavery. And for us today, that would be out of sin, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. God says, this is nothing new. They've been doing this since I brought them out of bondage. They've continually walked away from me. So, so as a leader, he goes, he goes don't, don't trip too much. This is not the first time. This is, again, not living according to your flesh. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. And then jump down to verse 11. Well, let's just read 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. And I want you to listen for a word that is repeated in each verse. Several times this word is repeated. He says, he will take, I'm going to emphasize, your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariot. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. Verse 16, and he will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. In verse 18, and in that day you will cry out before, I mean, because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. You notice that one word. See, when you prefer sin and to live in yourself, it will take from you. It will take everything that you thought it would bring. It will take. It will take your time. It will take your joy. It will take your zeal. It's going to take your money for you to continue to be happy in your sin. You tired of giving God your money? Okay, go ahead and let that sinful way take it because it will. Remember having conversation with a with a man. This was years ago when I was in New York, and he actually had sat on the 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 um, he had sat on the mayoral team in New York at the time of the mayor that was there, and he was in he was involved in the ministry of crew inner city where I was, and he was helping those that were homeless and were trying to get back jobs. And it was interesting as I started to talk to this guy. I was like, okay, wow, this is an interesting story. Say more. So he began to talk and say more. He said, I was at the, I, I was, I was young and I was in this political arena in New York. 
it was, it was happening. I was raising, I mean, he's, I was rising to the top and I was getting to know people. I was invited to parties. And he says, one day I was invited to this party. And he said, if I named names, you would know some of them. And he said, we went in and it was the who's who at this party. And the host of the party invited me into a room in the back because I was now in the know. And he said he opened the door. And and this sounds like a scene out of a movie. It is not. It is real. His testimony. He said he opened the door and in the room in the back on that table, he said, stood a mound of cocaine like this. And he said, the guy said, help yourself. And he said, not wanting to stand out from the crowd, I did. And he said, and that started a slide I could not control. He says, I was making money. I was riding high. But he says, that cocaine habit started demanding more. And I needed more to get equally as high. We know that. And it needed more. And then it got to the point where what I was making could not sustain what I needed to have. And so it started unraveling my family, my job. And of course, he said, I lost my job in politics. My family walked away from me and I was on the street. Wow. I said, okay, you got to finish this story for me. You're here. He says, I came to know the Lord through someone. And he said, at least now my family talks to me. And he said, I've committed my life. I am so excited and happy in him. And he said, and I help others right now who are trying to break free. But it took everything from me. Of course it did. Sin takes. Your own way takes. We think it will give. Samuel wasn't just talking to the nation of Israel. He was talking to all of us. He said, okay, you don't want God to rule over you. You want someone else to rule over you. I will let you have that. But let me warn you about what it will take from you. And so the question becomes, what are you desiring? And do you believe that something or someone other than God will give it? If you are, if it's the satisfaction that you're seeking, it doesn't mean that you can't do any of these things. It does not mean that you can't be involved in these different things. But when you are using that, I'm talking to you and me, when we are using that to rule our lives, God says you don't know you are actually ruining your lives. And so Galatians, remi- I mean Galatians, Romans reminds us you were not set free to live according to your flesh. He says, for if you live, verse 13, according to the flesh, you will die. It's an imperative. He says, you will. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, it actually, said, it actually means you're about to. It's impending. Well, when? I don't know. I'm not God. The issue just becomes it's impending. And this is not meant to scare anyone straight. No, God said this is a solemn warning so you understand what you're getting into. And so if you do choose to live according to your flesh, understand you will have some happy moments. Don't let people fool you. Say, oh, it's going to be this miserable life. No, there'll be some moments of happiness. There'll be some moments that you won't even be thinking about God. But there's always a price to pay. And I will let you know it's coming. I just don't know when. I don't know how either. That's not my business. 
know what the Lord will allow. But the issue becomes it is set in motion, and he tells us you've been set free. For what? He says, so that you can live according to the Spirit. So verse 13 finishes, says, if you live, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I love that. He says, if by the Spirit, which means you cannot do this. This is not a self-help group. This is not a will yourself through this. This is not, I just need to sum up, I need to summon up the power and get it done. He said, no, if by the power and work of the capital S, Spirit of God, in you, you put to death or you rend inoperable the deeds of the flesh. What does that mean? Those things that creep up in you and they want a place. They're like that kid having a tantrum on the floor. It wants its place. It wants what it wants and is screaming, give it to me. He says, and if you put it to death, and I like that because he says, that's up to you. The spirit is enabling, you are desiring. He says, if you put it to death, you'll live. Well, of course you, because you are allowing the spirit to live in and through you. So remember, affirmed, adopted, assured. The affirmation is, listen, that we belong to God. We are debtors to him. We are in debt. If you are a follower of Christ, you are in debt to God. But let me just warn you, if you are not, you are in debt to someone or something else. There is no free ride. Don't be fooled. There is no fence. If you're not for him, you are against him. And he says for us, where are we going to stand? Who are we? We are firm that if we are in Christ, we are in debt to God because he bought us. We, he, he bought us with a price. What was that price? His son's life. And because of that, now we are set on course to live according to as he wants. Well, I don't know what he wants. Right, is because he wants you to find out. And the way you find out is that you get in his word daily and you realize his character and you realize what he desires of his children and his people. And you begin to do those things every day. Sometimes we're waiting for the will of God to be this big thing written on the screen above us, and God's saying, this is my will. And although he may call us to specific things, the greater call is a call to daily things. He first calls us to himself and to holy living. Because he says, be holy for I am holy. He says, I want you to represent me. Thus, I want you to be like me. No, you won't be exactly like him. You won't have sinless perfection, but you are consistently looking towards that as the standard. So as I always say, on those days when I think I'm doing it well, I'm riding high and I'm starting to look around and be like, no one else is living holy like me. God says, Curtis, you got the wrong standard, son. You think that person next to you is the standard. I am. And so when I look back at him, I go, oh, whoa, I'm nowhere near God. God says, exactly. So keep your eyes on me so that on that day that you're feeling great, you realize, good, you're growing. Boy, I'm not finished. But the moment we start sizing people up around us and they become the standard of holy living, and there's a lot of people I'm better than. Because I'll always find those that are living the worst. 
I'm not trying to find someone who's living tighter than me. I'm not trying to find someone who's living more holy or more disciplined or more consistent. Come on, we don't look for that. I'm not trying to put myself down. I'm trying to lift myself up. God said, that's the problem. But if by my standards you find yourself in the right place, know that you're in the right road. So he says, so affirm, he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live, if you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For, here it goes, great affirmation, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He says, look, if you are living according to the Spirit's leading as you read his word, as you respond, he says, you are demonstrating that you belong to him. That doesn't make you a son. It demonstrates you are a child. Big difference. One means you're doing it. You have the power to do it yourself. That, you know, you, you being led by the Spirit, you know, I'm doing this. I'm, 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 I'm making it happen. No, the Spirit is making it happen. You're just following. That's what it says. Those that are led, that passive word, when someone is leading you, they're out front and that you are following in their footsteps their way. And so he says, those that are seeing where the Spirit is moving, going, walking, and you follow suit, you are demonstrating that you are a child of God. So the affirmation is, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He says, that's where you were. Remember, he set us free. He says, I'm, I'm not leading you back to fall into, I love that he said, into slavery. This whole, it is this bondage term. He says, listen, the freedom that you've been given was from bondage, although, and, and, and you saw it like that, but then you got a little bit of freedom in your blood, and you, and you start thinking, I'm, I'm really free, and then I don't need God, but you didn't realize that he was the one that brought you out of slavery. And so now you go, he says, listen. I didn't do this so that you would fall back through fear into slavery. And here is the fear. Fear of what? Is it? What would be the fear of? See, because when we don't know who God is and when we don't know who we are, we end up living out of fear. Fear that if I mess up, he's going to throw me away. Fear that if I don't, if I don't do this or if I don't perform or or Fear of, I don't know if God really loves me enough that, 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 that he'll do this in my life. Or, or fear of, I don't understand the character of God, and thus, and thus, I start living out of the character, outside of his character. Fear. I'm afraid God's not going to provide for me. And so I go and I do something on my own that is against his will. I fear the relationships that I'm not having. It's never going to happen. So I'm going to go look for any kind of relationship I want. It doesn't matter what God wants. I'm afraid. I'm afraid God's going to let time pass me by, and I'm not going to be able to when you fill in the bank and blanking. So I do something else. I'm afraid. When you live out of fear versus affirmation and an assurance, you will do some crazy things. And God says to us, I didn't set you free for you to fall back into bondage to be afraid. But then that next point, he says, but what I did do, he says, but look at verse 
15, but complete opposite, but you have received the spirit, capital S, of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And for many of us, we know what that means. He says, listen, listen, you, 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 you've actually been adopted in, in our society, in some families, in some families, adopted still means not quite up with the birth child. But that's not in God's family. It does not mean that. And here he says, adopted, he says, equal rights, you are looked at no different at all. And so he said, when I brought you in, you were now brought in as a family member. You weren't originally. You were born in sin, but now you have been born again into this holy family. And so you were adopted in. That is not some sort of second-class status. He was saying you have equality with those who were there before you. He says you've been adopted by whom we cry, and it's inclusive, and that Abba is this endearing, it is this close term for us, closest thing we could say is like saying daddy. It's one thing for my kids to say father. First of all, I would want to know what's wrong with them because they never use that word. Father, I'd be like, what do you want? <laughs> Sometimes I'll say dad, but then there's that Daddy. And that daddy is that closest term and that you are not only over me, but you're the one I know that loves me and I love you. It is that term of closest. And so it's like saying, he says, where we're close and we say, daddy, father, that I have that level of relationship with you. I am that close with you. You're not some distant God. You're not some dude on the throne with a white beard that somehow all I got to do is dance and please you. No, you are close. I can come to you in everyday conversation. My father, my earthly father, um, um, his, his, his natural, my, my siblings say I have this of him. I've been working on that sometimes. My wife will sometimes remind me. She says, you, you, got that, you got that natural scowl like your dad. Is, is that his, his, his natural resting face was like, it looked mean. And, but he wasn't. And we knew it because we were in the house every day. But all of our friends and stuff at church, because my father wasn't a believer for several years before he came to Christ, but he would bring the family to church and go back home. And so everyone in the church was afraid of him. Your father's always so mean. And we were like, ah, come on now. Nah, he's not, man. He's a big teddy bear. I said, you just got to get to know him. He said, no, 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 no. He said, every time we see him, I said, no, that's his natural face. And I remember one day, one of our friends, a um, woman who's um, older than me, she's, one of, she's the, a little bit older than my oldest um, sibling, she said, you know, um, she's coming, she said, Brother Costin, after he became a Christian, um, and he was an um, elder at our church, he goes, she goes, Brother Costin, I used to think you were so mean. She said, I used to think that, I used to... I could not come around you. I used to think that you were so mean. She says, but I know differently now. I can get close to you, and I like who you are. And, and she jokes with him, and, and she says things that they would have never said before because they were afraid. And God is like, God is not this distant creature. He is meant to be close and to be up close. And when you realize that, and you realize that he is Abba. I realized that one day when we were in Europe, we had... One of my wife's um, childhood friends, who's Jewish, they're not believers, um, came to visit, and they stayed with us, and they have two girls, and, um, and one of them, uh, well, 
both of them, when they spoke, they spoke at a decibel level that we normally didn't talk at um, loud. And, and, and so they were he was getting ready for bed in their bedtime routines. And one of the girls, it is when I realized what that term meant. And they're in Jewish, and they go to synagogue and everything, and she's in the back, and they're getting ready for bed, and something is bothering her, and she is calling for her father, and she's yelling. I mean, she's yelling at the top of her voice, Abba, Abba. And I was like, what is she saying? And then when I realized what she was saying, I was like, oh, my gosh. That's the word in Scripture. She was saying, Daddy, Daddy. And he responds, yeah, yeah. And he says, hey, hey, what you want, what you want? And he came in, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? But it was that she was crying out to, to her dad as a Hebrew would, as a Jewish person would. And it was at that point, now here it was, what, 2009, I think, when I came to visit, 2010, all these years I've been a Christian, that I understood even more what Abba meant. They use it because of their Hebrew lineage, because of their Jewish lineage. They use it every day. How about you? When you cry out to God, is God distant? Are you thinking that he really doesn't care? Or is he daddy? Who is he? When you go before him, are you standing at a distance? Are you, are you coming with all form and pomp and circumstance? Or are you coming as you would someone that you can get close with? And maybe for you, daddy wasn't someone who you can get close with, and that may prevent you. And God is saying, I'm not like him. Or I'm not like anyone else that you've connected with. So he's adopted us. And then it's this assurance, this assurance. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's an assurance. He says, God says, I provide an assurance. I affirmed that I've brought you in. I've adopted you. But he says, I've assured you. He says, here's how I am. No one continues. He says, I bear witness. You just know. And for some people that may, how about if I don't know? God wouldn't let that happen. You will know. And he says that he identifies that. He says that he bears witness with our small s spirit that we are children of God. And he says, and if we are children, if we are children or since is what that word really means, we are children than heirs, which means there is something that has been stored for you. You have been promised something, and that is because this life isn't all there is for you as a believer. If this is all there is, we're all in trouble. And God says, heirs to benefit now and heirs to benefit later. But heirs, you are in the lineage. You are set up. He says, if you are children, then be assured you are heirs as well. There is something laid up for you. And he says, this should govern who we are and how we live. And he says, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Do you understand that? He says, heirs of God, because he's the father, fellow heirs with Christ, because Christ being the eldest brother is the 
Er, the oldest brother Er, which remember, Middle Eastern cultural families understood that real well about what the Er meant, and especially the oldest son and all that fell on and over him. But he says, you're not the oldest son, you're not the eldest, but you're in the family. And thus it says fellow heirs, or some version says co-heirs with Christ. No, you don't put yourself equal with Christ, but because of what Christ has done, he brings you in the family. And he says, fellow heirs with him. Now, once again, who are we? How do we live in light of who we are? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you live in light of how God says he has positioned you? And he says, fellow heirs with Christ, but let me give this, let me give this caveat, let me give this condition, because it's a condition of demonstrating that you really are his, provided, or if it be, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you are part of the family of God, heirs of the Father, fellow heirs with Christ, part of the package... I know we don't like to talk about this. This ain't going to shout. You're not going to leave here skipping before this. But he says, part of the package is if we suffer with him, provided that is a that that comes right along with it. That's like in your family when they say, in order to be a part of this house, you got to hold down some responsibility. And you say, well, I don't want, I don't want the responsibility. I just want all the privileges. Well, it's like, well, that doesn't happen here. And he says, in this family, if you are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ, because he suffered, you suffer. And there's nothing wrong happening to you. As a matter of fact, you can be in the middle of right and be suffering hard as a believer. And he says, if we suffer... And I love this. He says, it doesn't just stop at suffering. God ain't into just you sadistically proving something by being in pain. He says, that you may. It's a process. Because we know from Scripture, suffering purifies. Suffering causes to cleanse us from our sinful desires. Remember that living for ourselves, it cleanses us. It frees us up. It helps us to see the transitory, temporary nature of this world and society that we realize it ain't all that people are trying to crack it up to be. This is not heaven on earth. You know, he said, no, 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 no. There is a heaven and there is an earth. And it says, and you're not in heaven. And so if your heaven is on earth, okay, can I, <clears throat> if if your heaven is on earth, you're probably not going to heaven. <laughs> if this is as good as it gets, you're in trouble. Because it only gets worse from here. And I'm going, if this is the best that there is, yeah, no, nah, I'm sorry. Y'all can have that. Because God, when I read, he is hooking it up. He is laying it out. And not because of all the things, but because, number one, he will be there. And there will be nothing standing in my way. Y'all, no one else. I won't be in your way. You won't need me up here talking. You'll be looking straight at God. 
And so he finishes by saying, look, that we may also be glorified with him. Let me finish us off with this Ephesians passage. I want you just to hear it. We don't have time to go through it deeply. I'm going to do this at another time. But this one, if this doesn't capture you, I don't know what else. And then, you know, Paul in his prayer, as he's praying, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And I like this, before the Father. To my family again, right? From whom every family in heaven on earth is named. From him. Here's once again, because we've been adopted in, because we've been affirmed, adopted, and assured, we are part of the family of God. Paul is praying for them and for everyone. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm loving this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend or understand, I love this, with all the saints. He ain't just singling you out. It's just me, myself, and I. No, 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 no. You and all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Okay, all my, all my math minds and my engineering minds, that is substance. Because I'm going every, I know, I, I know, uh, uh, Elder Charge Engineering mind. When I go, breath is this way. I mean, width too. I don't know what breath. And so the height and length and depth, I, I, that, that is a three dimension. That's almost four dimensional. That's a four dimensional plane. He's saying you are, he says that there is, there is, there is fully, he says that you fully understand. But I like this. What's the context? With all the saints, God ain't just trying to hook you up individually. With all the saints, that you, that you understand this love that he's given. That's his prayer. And, and, and he says, and to know the love of Christ, verse 19, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of, I mean, with all the fullness of God. How you, filled with all the fullness. Are you going to get that? Filled with all the fullness. His prayer is that you, along with others in the family, understand the fullness of God and that you are being filled up in it. It is increasing. What is increasing? My understanding of the fullness of God, as God gives understanding, of course. But he's saying here, that's his prayer, is that as family members, you can be able to understand what God has revealed about all of who he is. Now, can, can you grab it all in? No. But he says all of what he wants you to know, it is that fullness of who God is. That's a lifelong pursuit. And as a family member talking about assurance, Paul is praying that this happens in your life. For some of us, that prayer be that I am filled up with all the riches and the fame that I could possibly hang on to. God says, oh, please, you are selling yourself short. He's not saying that that's not worth anything, but he says, but don't stop. You're selling yourself short. Why go for what is given when you can go for who's giving it? See, because what may be there may run out. But if I'm in relationship with the giver, there is no running out. The resource may end. The source is infinite. And so the deal becomes for God. He says, listen, don't settle for what you can get from me. He says, wow, 
He says, actually, have me. And you don't have to worry about what I give. God says, I take care of mine. And they have what I want them to have. Now, let me just warn you, that does not mean you have what you want. God is not the heavenly genie that says, you are not Aladdin, and you are not rubbing the lamp. You not get three wishes. God says, as you love and follow me, I will give you purpose. Number one, by letting you know who you are, but by number two, by putting you on mission. And God says, I provide for any mission I send you on. And then he says, hey, guess what? And when it's done, you get to come home. Some of us act like we home. We don't want to go anywhere. God, I don't want to go anywhere. Now, now, I understand wanting to live a long life. I, like, I remember Dr. King says, long life has its place. Hey, longevity has I, I do. We want to live long lives, but for some of us, we want to live infinite lives on earth. And God says, I've never intended for you to live here forever. And whenever he says, time to come home, some of us are like, hold on a minute, God, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Why? Because we are tied too greatly to what's here. And may we understand, I'm closing, as, as, as we understand this, he says, listen, the assuredness of what I've done is that it will happen. If you go back to that Romans text, he says, if you put, he says, if you live according to your flesh, look at the word choice, you will die. God's not said, he said, it's not a chance. It's an absolute fact. And that die means separated from him. Everyone's going to die. But when he says you will die, he means spiritually, eternally separated. If you choose just to live by your flesh. But he says, if you, by the spirit, which means God is in your life, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you same, same, same imperative, you will live. God is in the facts and imperatives. And for you and I today, who are we? We're assured. We're adopted. I'm sorry, we're affirmed. We're adopted. And we're assured. Ask yourself this question. Am I living like that? Am I living as if God has affirmed some things to me and in my life? Am I living as I was once outside of the family and he brought me in on equal status and footing with others in the family under the elder brother with Christ fellow still there? And am I, am I living as if I'm assured that God is doing and is going to do something because I'm his? See, when you and I are living outside of God's will is because we either are ignorant of who he is and what he has. We don't know or we're immature in that we don't believe it. We're either ignorant or we're immature. And we need to grow in that area. Do I believe what God is saying? Or do I even know what he's saying and what he's not? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that today, oh, Father, we can be, we have been affirmed if we know you. Father, we realize we've been adopted in and put on footing as a child of yours. 
And then, Lord, we've been assured, God, of life eternal with you and a life here lived with you according to your will. Father, I pray that we not forget that we live in light of that. Father, that we live in light of what you've done, who you are, what you've done, and thus what you expect from us. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. Please just keep your head bowed and eye closed for a moment. I have a couple of things I want to lead us through this morning.